Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to episode 11 of Broomsticks and Braille Harry Potter fan fiction, where I, JJ, your very, very excited host, read uh, some of my favorite fan fictions and I talk about them and I share my thoughts and my feelings and just anything that comes to mind about these fan fictions because I love fan fiction. I think it's a very underappreciated art. So, uh, let's see, before I get into it, I just want to say thank you so much to all of my listeners for sticking with me in these last couple of months. Um, suffice it to say, the last couple of months have been insane. Um, not life-threatening, just insane, in the words of Severus Snape. I don't think he actually said insane, but hey. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I'm back, and I'm very happy to be back. So, I've just been thrilled to see that I've had so many listeners, and it seems a handful of newcomers. So thank you, everybody, and welcome um, to newcomers to this podcast. Um, as always, if you'd like to get a hold of me, my email is broomsticksandbraillehpff at gmail.com. That's broomsticksandbraille, B-R-A-I-L-L-E. HPFF at gmail.com. And just if anybody was curious, um, the reason I call my episode, or my, excuse me, my podcast, Broomsticks and Braille, is because I am blind and I'm a very proud reader of Braille. So um, I've got my uh, Braille device here that has all the fanfics that I like to read on it, um, and I can read them in Braille. Um, and I'm very proud of being able to read all of this for you in Braille. So. I called it Broomsticks and Braille. It used to be called The Unknown Art for like the first three episodes, and then I decided to make it a little more personal. Um, as I do in this uh, podcast in general, um, I, I can get very personal, so if vulnerability and touchy-feelies are not your thing, uh, feel free to not listen to the commentary afterwards and just listen to the fanfic. All right, everybody, that's it in the way of announcements. I'm so excited to be back. Um, I love doing this pan- this podcast for all of you and I really hope you enjoy it every bit as much as I do. So without further ado, let's get into this episode's fanfic. All right, so for this episode, I will be reading a fanfic called Unity in Diversity. And it's, this is by Panther. Um, this is available on fanfiction.net. And as always, I'll put the link in the description box. So if you would like to read it yourself or anything like that, feel free. Um, this is by Panther. And this fanfic tackles an issue that I think is it just has so much fodder for discussion um, when it comes to Harry Potter. And this topic is the house system at Hogwarts. Yeah. So, just so I can get my Harry Potter nerd on, because I am a pothead and I need my hit. Um, and by pothead, I mean Potterhead. Let's get that clear, guys. Anyway, I am a Potterhead. So, here's your weekly dose of JJ nerding out over Harry Potter. Um, I will uh, just kind of break down the house system and refresh y'all's memory a little bit. Um, so the, uh, so Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry is, um, divided. There's a different word for that, but hey, as this fanfic will show, it is kind of divided. So, um, it's divided. The students are sorted into four different houses. Um, 
when they first come to Hogwarts, they get sorted into their houses. And as Professor McGonagall says, your house will be like your family. Any triumphs will earn you points. Any rule breaking and you will lose points. So, um, so, you know, the students get to, you know, sleep in their house dorms and they eat with their house at meals and all kinds of good stuff. So, um, those four houses are Gryffindor. You've got, um, their colors are red and yellow and they, uh, their animal is a lion. They are known for being chivalrous and brave. That is where the, uh, the brave and the chivalrous goes to Gryffindor. They've got Hufflepuff, yellow and black. Their animal is a badger. And they are known for being hardworking and uh, very, very friendly. Um, very loyal and good friends are the Hufflepuffs. Got Ravenclaw. Their animal is a bronze eagle. And they uh, their color is blue and bronze. Um, they are the more academic bunch of the group. They're very wise, very knowledge-oriented, are very thirsty for knowledge. Um, so that's Ravenclaw. Um, and then you've got Slytherin. Those are uh, the serpents. Their animal is a serpent. Their colors are green and silver. And they're known for being ambitious and cunning and survivalists. So they're very, you know, they're, they work very hard to meet, meet their, their uh, ends. So uh, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin are the four houses of Hogwarts. And a little bit of history on this. So when Hogwarts was founded uh, over a thousand years ago, according to the books, um, which the books were set from 1990 to 1998, and I'll talk about that at some point. Um, but when Hogwarts was built, so the four founders of Hogwarts, you had Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. That's where the four houses came from, were the four founders. Um, so when Hogwarts is, you know, when they're founding Hogwarts, they're building it, they're making this fantastic school. Salazar Slytherin did not want to allow muggle-born witches and wizards into the school. So um, he wanted wizarding education to stay within wizarding families. And the rest of the founders were like, no, that's that's not Okay. And so there was a break, um, you know, there was a big divide and a big break between the four founders, um, particularly between the Gryffindor, between Godric Gryffindor and uh, Salazar Slytherin. Um, they were said to be best of friends. And then when this happened, they um, supposedly had a big duel, dueled it out. But um, so Slytherin, you know, left the school, left, uh, you know, left the project. Um, and the animosity between Slytherin and the rest of the houses remained all throughout Hogwarts history. Um, it didn't help that Voldemort himself was the, the, you know, the Dark Lord and was from Slytherin. And so Slytherin just became known for being the evil um, house, the evil ones from Hogwarts. Um, as Ron says in book one, there's not a witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. So Slytherin just has a really bad rep. Um, so I, I have a lot to say about the house system, which I will share after the fanfic. Um, but I hope that history just kind of gives a little bit of context for this story. Um, yeah, and so this fanfic is just kind of dealing with, you know, what what might have happened to the house system after after the war, 
After everything was said and done, what did that maybe mean for the house system? And I've said this a million times, but this is one of the things I love about fanfic. It just takes those questions and goes, all right, I'm just going to write a story about that. So um, I think that's all I want to say about that. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and get into this. I'm really excited to read this. There's a lot of characters. Um, so as with every Snoop and Ever Written, I came up with the challenge, uh, you know, came up against the challenge of making different voices and, and, you know, hopefully distinguishing characters from one another. So we will see how that goes. So without any further rambling from me, let's get into Unity in Diversity by Panther. A summer is not enough to forget a war. More importantly, it is not long enough to forget that it was a member of Slytherin House that was so willing to hand Harry Potter over to Voldemort. Though some Slytherins return to fight, that is the one detail that does so easily slip from people's minds. The whispers that grow louder over the summer do not bode well. The house gets a chilling reception from the rest of the hall on September 1st, to the extent that when students are sorted into Slytherin on Minerva's first night as headmistress, fear flickers through their eyes at the prospect. Some try to hold their heads high and meet the stairs pinning their table back against the wall. And then there are the older and wiser members that realize that the battle is already lost. It all makes Minerva feel old, older than the war itself had done. It is meant to be over, but things do not tidy themselves up and fall into place just because the wands have been lowered. Seventeen years have passed since the end of the first war, and they never truly recovered from that. It cannot be that way again, as they would be doomed to repeat the cycle of hate. Voldemort had never acted alone, after all. There were always people willing to listen and act out his plans. The same darkness that had been found in him would fester in their young minds if they kept on the outside to be feared and loathed by people who didn't even know them. She has to do something, even if she has no idea what. Hogwarts needs to be united the way it had been in the final battle, and it had to remain so. No longer could a house be a reason to shun another, a coloured tie, a burden as much as a badge of honour. There is a tense feeling in the air, Horace comments quietly from Minerva's left. It will not do. Aye, but what to do about it? I wish Albus were here. He would know. He did nothing for decades, Horace reminds her gently pouring his evident frustration not into his voice, but into the piece of pork that he stabs viciously with his fork. Things were not as bad as this when I started teaching here. Surely you remember? It got steadily worse over time. Banter became bullying, and Albus did nothing to stop it. My house closed in on itself for protection, and spawned people like, well, you know. It was not always this way. Perhaps we can make things better again, Minerva mutters to herself, a faint pink tinge filling her cheeks at the quiet reminder that Albus wasn't perfect as headmaster. Oh, how she had known that. Horace should not have needed to remind her. Yet, 
Who is she to reverse the damage that has been done? She represents the old ways. So how can she begin new ones? Things do have to change. I'm not sure how, but they do. I cannot help you there, Minerva. I'm doing enough being back here at all. Horace grumbles to himself. I thought I was finished with teaching and wars and helping traumatized students with death in their eyes. What are we to do if they spend all their time holed up in their common rooms, festering misconceptions about each other? Minerva froze as Horace went back to his pork and slowly looked up and down the table at her fellow teachers. Perhaps that was just the answer she, was fa she in fact was looking for. The teachers file in after the students have been sent to their common rooms, grumbling and sending withering looks Minerva's way. It has been a long and trying day, worrying about if the train would get attacked by rogue Death Eaters before it reached the safety of the school. And then the general tasks of the first day back. A teacher can think they are ready until something does spectacularly wrong in order to prove them otherwise. The last thing any of them want is a staff meeting, when the last one had just been held the night before. Horace suspects why it has been called, and settles down with a pinched look on his face, summoning a bottle of brandy from the cupboard, and offering everyone who enters a glass. He gets many uptakes on the offer, as he isn't known for sharing, and Minerva nods to herself as she settles down in front of the fireplace. It might relax them all a little, and make them more agreeable to her quickly formed plan. Right, well, it seems I am last here. So what is the point of all this, then? Aurora asks, closing the door before... Closing the door behind her and casually throwing up a privacy charm, with a swish of her wand. Thank you, Aurora, Minerva begins quietly. Well, I was looking around the hall this evening, and I couldn't help but notice the atmosphere between students. In general, the students seem a little afraid, but that is to be expected, given the castle repairs are not completely finished, and considering the final battle was fought upon these groans. However, I was then talking to Horace, and... Oh, no, you don't! Horace barks, interrupting her mid-sentence. I am not taking any responsibility from whatever you've cooked up since dinner. I was just observing. Quite. Minerva states sternly. Well, your observations were noted. The students spend more time locked away in their common rooms these days. Far too often over the past few years have we had to send them away and then lock them in. Students don't socialize with each other. They rarely make friends outside their houses, and I'm worried that it is going to lead to the same sort of problems we had before and during the war. True, but what do you wish to do about it? Phileas asks. It is the way that things have always been. The houses create friendship, encourage friendly competition, and help us or and help us organize the school accordingly. They also create divisions. Being part of a house doesn't ensure your friends. Take the recent case of Miss Luna Lovegood, for example. She has been bullied within her own house for years, yet because it was behind the closed doors of the dorms, which we, I mean which, the head of houses respect the privacy of most of the time, we did not know of it, Minerva argues. Why, 
Ginny Weasley was one of her few friends, and yet their time together was limited to wandering the halls, where they were regarded with suspicion, or being locked away in the library where they can hardly talk. The cold comes swiftly, as you well know. Phileas ducks his head quickly, ashamed, and Minerva feels guilty for pointing out the things that have slipped through his fingers as head of Ravenclaw House. So, what do you plan to do? Pomona reiterates, sending reassuring smile towards Phileas. I know you. You would not call us here without a plan. The group share smiles, and then Minerva's fades sadly. Severus would have chosen that moment to make a dark remark. No matter how his end came, she can't deny missing him. He was such a part of her day, today life, and now he is gone, just as Albus is. I think we should create more opportunities for the children to interact, outside of the classroom and on the field. Sports unite the teams, yes, but, well, things have got a bit nasty in recent years. I was thinking of something like a common social area. Not the hall or library, but, I don't know, somewhere else where students of all houses can con congregate and play games, talk, do homework, outside the silence of the library, if they wish. Just somewhere that they can be together and form friendships that don't rely on the emblem on their breast. Albus would never have done such a thing. The house system is a tradition of traditional part of Hogwarts that has served us well for centuries, Pomona chides, folding her arms across her chest. How can we ever control something like that? We can't expect com we can't expect prefects to take care of the common rooms and then be responsible for this social area as well. Exactly. And look where it got her and look where it got him. Every year the sorting hat talks about house unity and working together, and every year students ignore it. Only the impending destruction of every thing we held dear brought them together, and the Slytherins who did come to join the fight disappeared as quietly as they appeared. Life does not slot into house systems and colour-coordinated uniforms, Pomona. Anyone who has worked outside of Hogwarts knows that. Could you name the houses of all your colleagues right now? Look around you, Minerva states impatiently. Oh, I am easy. And so are all the heads of houses. But what about the others? Can you say 100% which houses they were in? Of course not, because it doesn't matter. We need to instill that in the children. You were, all, you were always the one to say that your house was like your family, Phileas points out, cocking his head to the side. But one can have a family and then a large circle of friends outside of that. Exactly, Minerva states triumphantly, waving her arm in the direction, waving her arm in his direction and settling back into her seat. I really do that, I really do think that something like this would do the world of good. I like it, Hagrid booms. The children make friends on the train. This lets him keep them easier. Thank you, Hagrid, Minerva says, smiling softly. I brought you all here. Because if we can agree on something, we could get it into place as soon as possible, and that will allow those friendships to remain.
We could also encourage students to sit at different tables at dinner. Oh. We could also encourage students to sit at different tables at dinner. They could make more friends and connections that way. Horace adds, taking a long drink of his mead and looking around at his peers thoughtfully. Timetables go out in the morning, and then, well, is there really any need for them to sit together all the time? There is not actually a sing there is not actually a rule that says that you have to There is not actually a rule that says they have they do have to sit at their own tables. Poppy adds in I just don't think the children are aware of it. There is no harm in reminding them. I just hope the older children don't discourage it. I can see the first year sitting with friends from the train. But I doubt we shall see Ginny Weasley at the Slytherin table any time soon, Phileas remarks seriously. That aside, Irma says quietly, cutting in, where would this area be? The school is still being fixed magically, so theoretically, it could go anywhere, really. I was hoping for more input on that. On the one hand, I had thought near the library, because then it would be like a larger area, where the houses could mix, silencing charms in place, of course, Minerva confides, reassuring Irma before the worried look can take hold on her face. It also happens to be more in the middle of the school, so no one house can accuse us of favouritism or having to leave too much earlier to make curfew. There is still the question of who will supervise, Septima adds. I am happy to go down at certain intervals to check. I doubt the children would relax with the teacher hovering over them constantly, though. The prefects could be aware that they are the most senior in the area, but, well, why not have the ghosts check in on them? If there is an issue, they can find a teacher immediately. I wouldn't mind nipping down the corridor a couple of times a day, if it was indeed near the library. Irma murmurs, as if she knows she is not entirely happy with the idea but we'll warm to it in the end. I'm sure the ghosts would like to make themselves useful. Well, most of them. There is also the fact that the bolder... There is also the fact that the older ones should be responsible enough to look after themselves and to stop the younger ones doing anything untoward, whether they are prefects or not. It would teach them all a good sense of responsibility, Minerva comments, turning to Horace. Do you think your house would participate? The older years? No chance. The younger ones, though, might be more easily to persuade. As Hagrid said, friendships have been formed already, so if we can protect them, if the youngers wish, youngsters wish, it sets an example. As for the rest, I'm not sure. Perhaps if the other houses take up the offer, my snakes would follow in time. Horace comments thoughtfully, aware that one change over a few years won't be enough to reverse decades of damage when it comes to re relations within Hogwarts. You seem focused on the Slytherins, Septima comments quietly. Septima comments quietly in question. They are the house I hope to benefit most, Minerva admits. They socialise outside of their house the least. They discriminate against muggle-borns, students without really knowing anything about them, 
and in turn, students from the rest of the school discriminate against them, without actually knowing more than what house they are in. Something like this would bridge the gap, I hope. The other houses mingle a little more, but still, there needs to be more. I hope you don't plan on abo abolishing this system altogether. I know other schools don't have them, Pomona states anxiously, wringing her hands in her lap and looking to her fellow heads of houses in order to gain their support. Marlins, no! Minerva gasps. The houses are a traditional, as old as Hogwarts herself. I just feel that we need to adjust to changing times. It is going to cause upheaval, Hagrid grumbles. Mind, we've had a lot of that recently. What is a little more, eh? Horace booms, draining his drink. I say we announce our intentions to create this sort of social area tomorrow and then meet at lunch near the library to have a look at how we can later things. Phileas, your expertise will be needed, of course. There are other places we could work. There are other places we could work at, of course, Aurora murmurs thoughtfully, almost to herself. There are many abandoned classrooms around the castle. If we could find a group of them and take out the walls, it might be easier in the long run. So everyone supports the idea, then? Even if we didn't, Aurora begins with a smile. You have that Gryffindor determination about you. It won't stop you. You are right, though. This is a new Hogwarts. We survived a war. We might not have. And it is time to make a difference. Take the chances we've been given. I'm not sure about it all, Pomona admits sharply. But I feel we should at least try. Nothing will change if we do nothing at all. And things do need to change. So tomorrow, then. I will see you then. Now, if you don't mind... I have some young eagles to attend to, Phileas comments wearily. I was already too old for this when I retired the first time, Horace mutters, while holding himself out of his armchair and bidding them all good night. The rest of the teachers slowly filter out of the room, some alone and heading straight for their rooms, and others in deep conversation with each other over the new plans. Minerva smiles to herself sadly, hoping that her plan will work. Before, they had just tried to return to normal and had not confronted the fact that normal wasn't working in the, in the first place. This time would be different, but it made her fearful at the same time. There was a lot of work ahead of her, and every day that passed without things changing counted against her. You have that look again, dear. The one that says you are overthinking things. Come on, up to your office for a scotch with you, Pomona says quietly reaching for Minerva's hand and helping her up out of her seat before leading her out into the corridor. It is strange not to be going to the Gryffindor common room, Minerva admits sadly. I miss it. I can imagine that you would. How many years were you the head of the house? Too many, Minerva laughs. So many, I'm not sure how to not be. I have many new distractions, though. I will content myself with them. Oh, content yourself indeed, Pomona smiles, as if all the tasks of a headmistress are just for passing the time. Well, you know me. I like to keep active, Minerva retorts with a laugh. You do release, 
you do realise that Argus will just say that all of this is a, merely another opportunity for the children to make a mess. Pomona laughs, pausing at the top of the stairs in preparation to go to speak to the Hufflepuffs on the lower floors. Argus is lucky he still has a job. I mean, really, what do we really need him? What do we really need the man for? The elves are more capable. I would never relieve. I would never relieve him, though, not at his age. But really, ah, the elves! It was quite something to see them rise up in the battle. Pomona comments. Minerva nods her head and gestures around her in reply. We must remember, it is their home. It is their home as well. They had just as much right. They had just as much right to defend it. Did rather well too, didn't they? Determined little buggers, she declares proudly, much to Pomona's amusement. Indeed, it is amazing what strength people find when they need to. Why, I would never have thought some of my puffs capable of what they did that day. I mean, Hannah Abbott taking out naught. Pomona beams. Eh? It was mighty impressive what those children achieved. Potter taught them well, Minerva states sadly. From now on, the actual defence teacher will be doing that. Pomona laughs, starting to make her way down the stairs. Now, Minerva, one thing at a time. Indeed, Minerva mutters, before heading off through the corridors towards her office. There were many things that needed done, but she had to start somewhere and the beginning seemed as good a place as any. Uniting Hogwarts was her first priority, and then they could move forward together. Ah, unity and diversity. I love this fanfic. Um, I feel like the characterization was spot on with all of the characters. And the, I mean, the story, the idea is really fantastic. Um, so yes, this is definitely one of my favorites. So there's one thing I want to get out of the way because I am a hopeless romantic. So one thing I love about this fanfic is, and actually I think I might have found this while searching for this pairing. Um, there's a tiny, tiny bit of implication that there's something more between Pomona Sprout and Minerva McGonagall, which frankly, there needs to be more Pomona Minerva fanfic. There really does. I mean, I have to laugh because, um, just from a shipping standpoint, uh, romantic relationships within, you know, the, the original Harry Potter series, there was that one moment in book seven, um, where a quote, look of understanding end quote passed between Minerva and Pomona just before the war. And I'm sitting here going, those two were totally together. And no one really writes it. I've only found like a handful of Pomona Minerva fanfics and it's really sad. So anybody out there who wants to write me a really adorable Minerva Pomona fanfic, you will be my hero. Um, I might write one at some point in my life. I'm pretty sure I wrote one to work through some relationship issues way back when, but yeah, that one's not seeing the light of day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think I did find this fanfic while looking for those two, though, to see if anybody had written any stories about them. So, um, 
But yeah, it just, it cracks me up because you've got some very unlikely pairings floating around. I mean, okay, Remus Sirius, we've had this discussion, but that was totally happening. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the couples I've read that I'm just like, what? How? Um, Hermione Fleur. That's actually a really cool couple. Um, Anyway, but there's like a handful, I don't know, there's a handful of couples that I just go, oh my gosh, why isn't there more of this? Like, Ginny Tonks, why isn't there more of that? Oh, they'd be amazing together. Um, anyway, I'm going off on a shipping rant. But yeah, I did appreciate like just the, the sweet moments between Pomona and Minerva in this one. I thought that was really cute. Um, anyway, so on to the actual topic. So... The house system of Hogwarts. Oh my goodness. They're... Okay. So, look up the house system of Hogwarts and you'll find a lot of just commentary on it on YouTube or anywhere really. Um, I... I'm kind of in the same boat as McGonagall in this fic where, you know, it's, it's a tradition of Hogwarts that's been there for you know, a thousand years since its birth. Um, that said though, there's a few flaws in it that I, I'm really glad that this fanfic addresses and I know a lot of others have addressed it too. Um, so part of it, oh man, where do I want to start with this? There's a couple of things I want to say about the house system. So let's see. So part of it is the, the fact that, you know, these students are basically sorted into just a few character traits and those character traits may or may not be in place. I mean, age 11, developmentally speaking, there's, there's a lot more developing development that will happen. Um, age 11, you're still kind of going by your parents' values. You're still, you're veering into making your own way. Um, and so, you know, the students are sorted in, they're, they're categorized by a few traits. I mean, if you're brave and chivalrous, boom, you go into Gryffindor. But what if you're also, uh, you know, academic and smart? Um, and God knows there have been a lot of cases where things just, some members you're like, well, how the hell did this person end up in this house? Like, and I have a theory I'm going to throw out there here in a minute, but, um, you know, you look at Neville Longbottom, he would have been fantastic in Hufflepuff. You look at Peter Pettigrew, God, that guy should have been in Slytherin. Total survivalist. Um, Hermione, well, we know the house, the sorting hat almost sorted her into Ravenclaw, and that would have fit. Um, but you just, you know, there's some exceptions, and it just makes you go, it makes me go, like, why, you know, why sort these students by these few traits. Now, that's a pretty common trope in a lot of fantasy books. I mean, you look at um, Divergent, that's, you know, the Dauntless are brave, the Erudite are... are the Erudite? I can't remember the rest of them, but the Dauntless are brave, the something, 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 I forget the rest. Um, You know, there's a lot of sorting going on in, in fantasy, and it, it's, it is an alluring idea like the idea of being sorted especially when it's presented as your house will be like your family when you think about you know the um the uh 
when you think about the idea of just spending all your free time with people who apparently are like-minded to you, it is alluring. Um, it's still a commonality of one trait. And I don't know, it's, it's iffy. It's a little... It's a good tradition, but it kind of makes me go, okay, what what messages is this really sending a bunch of 11-year-olds? Um, so, there's that. I have a theory I want to put out there. And um, I think I saw this on MuggleNet. Yeah, I've, this theory is not my own, although I, I kind of suspected it for a while. Um, but I did see this in an article on MuggleNet, um, which for those that don't know, MuggleNet is a pretty big Harry Potter website. Um, probably the biggest, I think the biggest. Yeah, it's the place for Harry Potter nerds. Um, but anyway, I think I saw this theory on MuggleNet, um, that instead of actually sorting you by the traits that you have, the sorting hat actually sorts you by the traits that you value. And when you look at those anomalies, those characters that you're just kind of like, oh, how did you end up here? It sort of makes sense. So um, let's take Neville, for example. He would have been a fantastic Hufflepuff. He was a very loyal friend. He loved to work. His best subject was herbology, which was um, Professor Sprout's subject, and she is a Hufflepuff. I mean, he would have made a fantastic Hufflepuff, but he valued bravery. He valued standing up for what was right um you know as evidenced by that you know he looked up to harry he looked up to ron he looked up to brave people and that was his value um hermione yes very very smart very clever very wise she even says in the first book there are more important things friendship and bravery so by that definition yeah she would have ended up in in gryffindor um peter pettigrew he valued whether whether good or evil he valued that bravery and he valued being in with people that were brave and would stand up for things even though he couldn't do it himself um he did value that and i think i feel like this theory just really holds up it really i love this theory um that students get sorted by their values it also makes sense for the twins um Fred and George both ended up in, let's see, Fred and George Weasley both ended up in Gryffindor. Um, Dennis and Colin both ended up in Gryffindor. Now with the Patel twins, Padma and Parvati, Padma was in Ravenclaw, Parvati was in Gryffindor. Um, yeah, twins, but twins aren't always, you know, carbon copies of each other. Pfft, they're like never carbon copies of each other, only in Harry Potter world. And even Fred and George were you know, very different from one another in many ways. Um, so I love the theory that students g get sorted by their values rather than their, their qualities. Um, which kind of brings to mind Dumbledore's quote about it is our choices that define who we truly are far more than our abilities. Um, now, I, I don't know about you, but I know me and a handful of other people struggle with living by our values. That's a thing. <laughs> um, and, to, you know, to say nothing of parental influence, um, what that looks like for values. I mean, hell, Malfoy could have ended up in Ravenclaw. Um, why not? But he valued 
well, he valued his family's values. So, so I, I really love that theory. Um, yeah, let's see. There was something else I wanted to say about the house system. Um, oh yes. The other thing that, I mean, I know the history, which it's incredible to me how much history has an effect on, you know, current. I mean, because logically, if you think about it, technically Gryffindor and Ravenclaw should have always been at odds and Hufflepuff and Slytherin should have always been at odds. Like if you're looking at this logically, Gryffindor, you know, were the super emotional, jump into things without really thinking about it, like have like hard-headed, stubborn, rawr, kind of lions. And Ravenclaw was the like super intellectual, academic, like think through things before you do stuff. Like they were kind of polar opposites in many ways. Meanwhile, Hufflepuff and Slytherin, you've got like Hufflepuff who's, you know, super friendly, always looking out for one another, very hardworking. And then you got the Slytherins that are really ambitious it's one for all, um, or all for, or one for one, one for himself. That's the phrase I'm looking for. Um, and yet, you know, there wasn't much animosity between those two houses. So that kind of always fascinated me too. Um, that, that Gryffindor and Slytherin should be the ones that were, uh, butting heads. Um, I don't know. It, it's just, the house system just is really fascinating to me. So, without any further ado, let's find out what house I am in. I'm in Ravenclaw, guys. <laughs> okay, that wasn't that huge big deal. But um, it was actually really funny when I got sorted into Ravenclaw on Pottermore. Um, anyone that doesn't know, Pottermore is the official Harry Potter site from J.K. Rowling. And there is a sorting hat, and you can find out what house you're in. I got sorted into Ravenclaw, which really surprised me. I mean, really, really surprised me. I was pretty sure I was Gryffindor, um, maybe Hufflepuff. I mean, even my friends had told me, yeah, you're, you're totally a Gryffindor. I had one friend tell me, yeah, you, you definitely would make a great Gryffindor, which was like one of the biggest compliments ever. And I don't say that because Gryffindor is, you know, the hero's house and everyone wants to go to Gryffindor. Um, <clears throat> I say that because I do tend to be pretty courageous and I wear that pretty stubbornly. I'm definitely that one who would totally run around parading my Gryffindor wear and be like, yo, I'm a Gryffindor. Don't mess with me. <laughs> um, but I got sorted into Ravenclaw. So that was pretty fascinating. Um, and when I really thought about it, it does make sense. I, <clears throat> and again, this is, this is the issue with the house system is as much as I'm brave and I, you know, I, I do stand up when I need to. I also love learning things. I love, um, you know, nerding out over things of y'all, as you all have seen in this podcast. Um, and so it, it, it makes sense. Also red and blue are two of my favorite colors. So, Hey, <laughs> so I'm just going to say I'm a Gryffindor. Um, because why not? Um, or a Ravendor. I have to do with that girl and Poe. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, really, if you look at it, I, I feel like a lot of us, you know, just depending on where we are in life, I think different traits will come out. Um, 
and if the sorting how it would be fascinating oh i want to see this fanfic that would be really cool um if the sorting hat, you know, if the students say they come back for, I don't know, a 10-year reunion or something at Hogwarts, and they get to put the sorting hat on again and see what house they would be in at, you know, age 27 versus age 17, that would be pretty hilarious. Um, just to see what happens. Because, I, yeah, like I said, I feel like at different times of life, we have different values. We have different what we're going through. Um, what traits we not only use, but sometimes have to use. I mean... There's another theory I have, which I'm going to try to find a fanfic that kind of addresses this, but I also have a theory that abused children oftentimes might end up in Slytherin. Because when you're going through any, not even abused children, but any any children that have gone through any kind of childhood trauma before they got to Hogwarts, you tend to become a survivalist. I mean, you have to. In many, in many cases, you have to. You got to become a survivalist just to make it through whatever circumstance you're in. And so by that definition, it would stand to reason that a lot of um, children with childhood trauma backgrounds would end up in Ravenclaw or in uh, Slytherin. Um, one of my friends and I were talking about that one time and yeah, it, it, it would make sense in some ways. Um, although sometimes survival looks like people pleasing and, um, you know, being very, very friendly, in which case you might end up in Hufflepuff. So, I don't know. The house system is definitely fascinating. I, the sorting hat supposedly sees your heart, and I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. I mean, coming from a background that I do, you know, with, um, with therapy and, um, inner child work, there are things that, you know, we're born with those characteristics that we just are born with but life takes its effect it, it takes its toll it doesn't even have to be traumatic or anything like that just life in general has its effect on on who we are and what what skills we you know use over time and so I don't know I it, it would be really fascinating to just kind of explore too you know is the sorting hat sorting on what's there in the moment or sorting on what you know what would have been there had life not intervened I mean in Harry's case I think you, you know he was being told that Slytherin was the bad place no one goes to Slytherin it's bad and yet he might have had some ambition in him before the Dursleys stamped it out um and you know might have had been more open to Slytherin had it not had its bad reputation which is basically what this fanfic is also saying that you know, Slytherin just has this awful rep and, and are just automatically being judged as bad. And being ambitious is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, just like being brave is not necessarily a good thing. Um, so that's another, you know, issue with the house system is it, it very much instills in children that black and white thinking that says, this is bad, this is good, this is okay, this is not okay. And... Um, yeah, so there's just a lot of uh, a lot of angles that you can look at the house system, I think. Um, and I, I just think it's really fascinating. So uh, let's see. I think that is it with um, unity and diversity. Um, yeah, so I hope, again, I hope you all have enjoyed... Um, 
God, oh, <laughs> I want to share that McGonagall's voice. I was able to do it just when I was, you know, when she would feature in some of the other fanfics I've read. But in this fanfic, it was hard. And I'm still not completely satisfied, but I'm a perfectionist. What do you want? Um, but yeah, I'm not satisfied with the result, I think. I think it turned out, you know, as well as it could. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of fascinating how difficult it was to work with McGonagall's voice. And I think in hindsight, after reading this, I think the harder part was part of it was the accent. And I think, I think I put way too much stock in that accent more than her actual character. And I think that was the difference. Um, versus in prior fanfics, I was paying more attention to what she was saying. Um, I think the other part that made it hard is that I have a very young voice. My voice is really, really young and I have a hard time making it older. And McGonagall is definitely, you know, older and wiser here. Um, and so it was definitely tricky to do McGonagall here. Um, yeah, which was fascinating, but, um, but as always, I hope y'all enjoyed this fanfic and, you know, enjoyed everything, um, that came in, came out of it. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And I will head into closing. Well, thank you for listening to episode 11 of Broomsticks and Braille Harry Potter fan fiction. It is so good to be back, everybody. I gotta say, it is very good to be back. So, um, as always, if you want to get a hold of me, Broomsticks and Braille HPFF and gmail.com. If you haven't already, please head over to the apps, uh, Apple iTunes podcasts, Apple Podcasts, good grief, and please leave me a review. Um, anything you want to say anything just about the podcast or whatever just leave me a review if you have any recommendations if you want to give it one stars and say you suck give me something more yeah have fun with that um (laughs) but yeah just please feel free to leave me leave me a review on apple Podcasts. that would be fantastic and i'm always open for feedback for fanfic ideas um if you have fanfic ideas please send me an email with the link to the fanfic Um, And I ask for the link because a lot of fanfics have similar names. And so instead of me bouncing around trying to find the fanfic you're talking about um, and potentially getting the wrong one, I ask that you leave me a link to the fanfic that you want me to read. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here and listening. And I will have another episode up. Um, Oh, yeah, I do want to say I have abolished the schedule. Um, That was part of what got me cornered in the in the last couple months so um I don't know when the next episode will be up it will definitely be sooner than two months I mean it'll be sooner than a month it'll be sooner than a couple weeks um but I'm not gonna go on a schedule that wasn't working out and it was taking the joy out of out of the podcast so um so please leave your notifications on if you're following this fan uh if you're following this podcast, please leave your notifications on so you know when I put out another episode and um, for you to enjoy. So, but I'm super excited to be back. Thanks everybody so much for listening. And as always, 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 of course it is happening inside your head. 
but why on earth should that mean that it is not real? Take care, everybody.